0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-Min Network, brought to you by Pro Prep. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the news with regards to Eddie Nketiah's future. We'll also be uh, highlighting some of the key bits and discussing them from Mikel Arteta's pre-Manchester United press conference. So, as always, Lots to get through, lots to get into. If you haven't checked it out already, we did our opposition view segment ahead of the trip to Manchester United with Scott Saunders, great friend and colleague over at 90 Min. Uh, that is the last video or last podcast on the channel, depending on how it is that you like to consume at the Chronicles of Aguna. So the last episode is the opposition view segment alongside Scott Saunders. It was a great chat to give us the download and the kind of inside track on Manchester United at the moment, ahead of that big game. Right, let's uh, get right into it then. Let's kick off uh, by discussing the news that has broken earlier today with regards to Eddie Nketiah. Now, it's been quite clear for a while, I think, that Eddie Nketiah believes and feels that his future is away from Arsenal Football Club. You know, he's clearly been frustrated with the lack of game time. He clearly doesn't see a way into the side. And to be honest, you know, I think this was always going to happen. You know, Eddie and Ketty are wanting away doesn't come as a surprise to me. There's been a lot of rumors about what may or may not happen because, of course, it was common knowledge that Eddie and Ketty's contract or current contract is due to expire at the end of this season. I think we'd have hoped maybe that somebody would have come in last summer with a, a good offer or an offer that we believed was suitable to take him away and That way, Arsenal bring in some kind of monetary value uh, for the departure of Eddie Nketiah. But it seems as though he's going to run the contract right down. He's going to let it go to the wire. Now, we've heard in the past that there have been a number of UK-based clubs as well as foreign clubs interested in Eddie Nketiah. Although at this stage, we have no idea. Where he's going to end up. You can guess, you can speculate, but there's nothing concrete on where Eddie Nketiah's future may lay. Now, what's interesting about this current contract situation is that when your contract is due to expire at the end of the season, rules permit you to talk to foreign clubs in January. So it'll be interesting to see if Eddie Nketiah does sign a pre-contract agreement with a, a club overseas in January, or if he holds on until the summer, which means that he's then got the pick of even the UK clubs as well. So, yeah, really, really interested to see who is going to take a punt on Eddie Nketiah. who is going to say that Eddie Nketiah is, or feel that Eddie Nketiah is the right man for them. One of the things that the um, the report does say is that this is not a decision that is motivated by finances. It's one that is solely based on a lack of game time. Now, what I would say about this is, although Eddie is opportunities have been limited you know it's clear he is not at the top of the pecking order you've got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang you've got Alexander Lacazette but what is weird for me is that Arsenal are in a place where um you know Arsenal are in a place where we've got this striker who isn't committed to the club doesn't feel his future lays here as he would have accepted a contract offer previously because there have been offers yet we have still given him more opportunity than we've given somebody like following Baligan. So what does that tell you? Does that tell you that Arsenal feel that Eddie and was someone that they could potentially get to change his mind? Or did Arsenal feel that Eddie Nketiah, who was someone who was just at a higher level than Balogun at the time, therefore it made more sense that when you had to kind of call on a different striker that you'd pick him? Is it that Arsenal hoped that by giving him the opportunity to put himself in the shop window, we might get an offer prior to the expiration of his contract? I really don't know, but it's a strange situation for me because the way I would look at it as a manager is, well, this guy... Is not committed, he's not going to be at the club. It's very unlikely that he's going to be at the club. And all the indications are that he won't be here come the end of the summer. Why don't I give those minutes to Balogun? Why don't I give those minutes to Martinelli? Why don't I give other people opportunities to play in that position? The answer is I I don't know because I find this weird. I find this strange. I find it a really unusual kind of way of doing things. You know someone's not going to stay or you feel that someone's not going to stay, you can try and persuade them to a certain point. But if you still get that vibe and get that feeling, then surely you have to just kind of cut your losses and say, right, well, those valuable minutes that I'm not able to give to Martinelli, to um, uh, to Balogun, because, for example, we're not in the Europa League, I'm going to give them, you know, I, wh- why would you give them to a player who clearly isn't part of the plan It's strange. Honestly, it is... Um, It's a weird one for me. Look, and I know, and and this completely slipped my mind, by the way, so well done to SK for bringing this up. Uh, Crystal Palace obviously tried, didn't they, for Eddie Nketiah in the summer? And um, Eddie Nketiah was not willing to go. I I don't know whether Arsenal, um, you know, were happy to allow him to leave for what Crystal Palace offered. There were uh, reports that they were, but again, you know, there's a lot of reports, there's a lot of rumours during a transfer window, I guess, uh, we'll never really know on that one. I don't have any information that says it was 100% done between the clubs. But Eddie Nketiah, you know, probably is looking at it from from this perspective as well. Because what I've found over the years in in kind of working in football and studying football and, and the way kind of transfer dealings tend to take place is that what you'll find is a lot of the time players who are in Eddie Ketia situation getting towards the end of their contract would actually prefer to wait until their contract expires because being a free agent means that they can ask for a large signing-on fee. And with the club not having to pay another... Sorry, with the buying club not having to pay the selling club to release the player, they're more inclined to offer you a substantial signing-on fee. So Eddie Nketiah could have gone to Crystal Palace, but if he didn't feel like, A, it was the right move for him, and B like he was personally getting enough out of the deal, then that could explain why, you know, it, it was it's, it's something that he didn't want to do and why he would prefer to wait until the summer. You know, why let the, the buying club put the money in the selling club's pocket when actually that money can end up in your pocket? That's something that I've been told by a few sort of people who work in the kind of agent game over the last few years is quite common nowadays. Um, And then what happens is instead of having a bidding war for a player between clubs who are looking to pay the selling club, you end up with a bidding war whereby it's right now who can offer the player and his representatives the biggest signing on fee. So that's something uh, to note as well. Um, Let's just uh, take a few uh, of your comments and then we'll continue reacting a little bit to the Eddie and Ketty news and we'll go on to unpack Mikel Arteta's press conference uh big hello to uh, Jackson who joins us from Australia says up early in you legend ready for your kuna goodness thank you so much mate and welcome uh, Emmett joins us from California hope you are well uh big hello to Steve SK says hi to everyone he says hi to uh big hello to um Tom Mullins who says first time listener, first time catching live? Thank you. Uh, he says, "Where do you see Eddie's real level being?" I always get the impression it's top of the championship or in a relegation battle. I'm assuming you mean if he stays in the Premier League. It's interesting, isn't it? Because based on on what I said about um, about Eddie and Ketia and the reasons why he might not have wanted to join Crystal Palace, it feels as though he holds himself in higher esteem than he probably is seen by other people. I mean, maybe outside of Arsenal, people will look at him as somebody that they could pick up for a reasonable amount of money, who's had a good footballing education at a big club and could potentially go on and make, uh, you know, a decent name for himself. I always feel like with Eddie Nketiah, though, it was clear from day one that he was never going to make it at Arsenal. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to the player. I mean, in the sense of Arsenal are a huge football club in recent years, not in the last two or three years, but prior to that, we were quite open and willing to spend big amounts of money on forward players. You know, we bought Alexis Sanchez in for big money. We bought Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for huge money. We bought Alexander Lacazette for big money. Um... You know, and and Aubameyang's contract renewal involved big, big money. And it just feels like a really difficult position to break into. I think when you're in Enketia's position, when you get chances, you have to take them. But people will always kind of turn their noses up at performances in the Carabao Cup and in the Europa League. I think what was telling for me was Eddie Enketia when he went to Leeds. Um, Obviously, Marcelo Bielsa has a very specific idea of what a centre forward should do and a very specific role for the players that play in his team. You know, he's very big on certain elements, big on certain aspects. And Eddie Nketiah as a result really struggled to nail down a place in Bielsa's side. It led to his loan deal um, or loan spell at Ellen Road being cut short. He's then come back and been on the peripheries, right? And it's that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. You know, if you're not playing then you're not going to be a hot property. You're not going to be someone that comes to people's minds when they're thinking of potential strikers to go out and investigate. So I think for Eddie Nketiah, he needs to move. I think, you know, his career has hit a bit of a brick wall. It's it, 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 It's gone stale. He needs to go. He needs to move. For us, we need to move him on as well, because we need to create space in the squad for forwards to come in, because I still think that's an area in which Arsenal really need to kind of Um, strengthen and and developing and and bring new players into. So, yeah, I think it's the right move for everybody. In terms of of his level, though, it's difficult to say. I do think Eddie Nketiah could do a job in the Premier League, but for a bottom half of the table side, where the expectation is not for him to score every single week, where the expectation is a little bit lower. Having said that, though, you know, that can be more difficult for players when they're playing in teams in which they're starved of service. I don't think we're ever going to really know the answer to this until we see Eddie Nketiah playing regularly week in, week out. I think once we get to that point, whether that's here, whether that's somewhere else, we'll be able to kind of make a clearer judgment and assessment on where exactly Eddie Nketiah is. But for me, he's not a European place level Premier League striker, so he's not a top six striker. I don't think he's even a striker that would, that somebody like Everton would look at, or um, Leicester, or West Ham. I don't think he's that tier either. I think he's in the the tier below that, probably. If I had to guess, but as I say, I'm reluctant to kind of say yes. This is Eddie Nketiah's level when I've never seen him play over a sustained period of time, regularly, and um, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. And look, as I said, I think that the Crystal Palace decision or the 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 reluctance to join Crystal Palace probably was financial. I think that the point I made stands or the point I made is at least a valid one with regards to him probably wanting to see what was going to happen with Arsenal, see what kind of contract offer was going to come across the table, see what kind of guarantees he'd be given in terms of his role, leave his options open come the summer be in a position where he can pick from a bunch of clubs and he can almost set them off in a bidding war against one another when it comes to contract terms and potential signing on fees. So I think that's what it is. I mean, at the time, I I criticised Eddie and Nketiah. When that deal fell through, I said, I mean, what level does this guy think he's at? You know, I thought it was arrogant. I thought it was, um, you know, perhaps... Eddie Nketiah, as I said before, holding himself in a higher regard than anybody else seems to. And the more I think about it, perhaps I was wrong, perhaps I was I was harsh, perhaps I was a little bit hasty in saying that, and perhaps the, the, the financial side did come into it then. Now, the report from Sky Sports that we're talking about today with regards to Eddie's future clearly states that this decision or, or idea of not wanting to sign a new contract to Arsenal and making it clear to the people at the club that he wants to go is not financially motivated. So I don't have anything to, you know, to say that that is not true. Therefore, I have to give the player the benefit of the doubt. But I think come the summer, he's in a much stronger position than he was last summer when he still had a year on his contract. And any money that was exchanged in order to break him free of that contract, was going to end up in Arsenal's pocket rather than his own. Whereas now, as I say, he is in a place when he gets to the end of the season where he can say, well, Crystal Palace, you want me. I'm a free agent. Well, Everton want me too. And they're offering me a £5 million signing on fee on top of these contract terms. Better it. What can you do? And that's the thing, you know, that's... That's the position that Eddie Nketiah is probably going to be. And it's a risky position because if that level of interest that you expect is not there, then you can be left out in the cold and you may end up come sort of the end of the window or or as the new season approaches, having to join a club that you thought was below you at the outset. That's the the risk that you take. But the positive side of it, as I say, and the, the thing you stand to gain is greater financial reward as an individual. So, um, yeah, look, I wish Eddie all the best. I really do. Am I going to lose any sleep over him leaving? No, I've said this before. I don't think he's at the right level. I don't think he'll ever lead the line for Arsenal. I think he's a good, decent striker um, with the potential to go on and have a very decent career. But it's just not at the Arsenal and there's no hard feelings. It is what it is. Uh, Just before we continue through the podcast, uh, I just want to bring your attention to some news the Chronicles of Aguna podcast is now sponsored by Pro Prep, as are all the podcasts across the 90min network. And we've got some fantastic shows um, within the network that you can check out relating to all different clubs uh, across the Premier League. But ProPrep have very, very kindly uh, decided to sponsor us for the month of December. It's a product aimed at parents and students, and we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends over at ProPrep just for you. It's the perfect study tool for university students taking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules. It can half your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device, at any time. It's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. So you will be ready for when that exam day comes. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive an answer by video, within 24 hours. ProPrep have created this special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, click on the link in the description, uh, proprep.uk slash info slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up now to a 30-day free trial. There's no credit card information required. That's uh, proprep.info.uk. backslash football. That's ProPrep, the ultimate study tool. Check out the link in the description. You don't need to listen to me jabber on about the link. You can just click it in the description and it will take you straight there. But we thank them as always for their very, very kind sponsorship. Right, let's move on to Mikel Arteta's pre-Manchester United press conference, and he had some very, very interesting things to say. Lots of us watching the game at the weekend were concerned when we saw Bukayo Saka limp off the pitch with an injury. It looks as though that injury is not overly serious, given that at least at the time of recording, He's in contention to feature against Manchester United. Mikel Arteta said he wasn't sure. He was hopeful, but he wasn't sure whether Saka would be available. So even if he doesn't make the game on Thursday night, the positive here is that clearly it can't be that serious if he's in the mix. Uh, When he was asked, he said, I am hopeful, but we don't know. Obviously, it's a really short turnaround and the player has to be comfortable playing with a little injury. So let's see how he is in training. Um, He also talked about the fact that Granite Jack is still not ready. Say Kolasinac is also not ready. But uh, we had a few other knocks, which he mentioned, uh, off the back of that Newcastle game. So he said he's going to assess everybody, see how everybody goes, make a decision um, going into this one uh, based on what happened in today's training—that's of course Wednesday's training. But as I say, uh, Mikel Arteta does this quite a bit, doesn't he? He's very reluctant to give team news as our all managers, but he does it in a in a very specific way, in a very Mikel Arteta way, where he says. That's classic, uh, Mikel Arteta, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see uh, what happens uh, with regards to Bukayo Saka. Um, also, you may have seen the video doing the rounds on social media of the robbery involving Gabriel. I mean, what is it with Arsenal players um, getting robbed with weapons? And Gabriel was incredibly brave to kind of initially. Ha- I think he initially, if you watch the video, initially hands over the key um, to the to the criminal before then. Uh, sort of grabbing him and fighting him off. And actually, from what I've read today, the the guy who committed the crime or attempted to commit the crime, attempted to steal Gabriel's car, was then uh, arrested off the back of DNA that was found on his hat that Gabriel basically made him drop in kind of fighting him away. So, Fair play to Gabriel. And to think that this went on without any of us having a clue is a testament to the young man and how kind of mentally strong he is because he never took any time out. He just got on with it, just cracked on. Um, And it seems that he's great at defending not just his penalty area, but also uh, his property as well uh, when faced uh, with situations like that. Wish him all the best that I can imagine it. You know, no matter how tough or or kind of big you are, it, it will be unsettling, won't it, to have that happen to you at your home. Uh, let's uh, let's quickly discuss Mikel Arteta's comments around Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, there was a question put to him about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form, uh, question that kind of went down the route of you know, he doesn't really score goals away from home. Are you worried about that? Mikel Arteta, I think that's from Talk Sports Ian Abrahams. And, and Mikel said this, well, the form of a Bamiyang is always going to be related to the goals that he scores. He does many other things apart from scoring goals. But obviously, we need that contribution because goals are critical to our success. That's been shown in the last few years when we've been able to do that. And that has to be his aim to continue to do all the things that he's doing. And then in the right moments, put the ball in the back of the net. So um, yeah, Mikel Arteta seemingly unconcerned really by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form. But look, even if he was, he's not going to sit there, is he? And um and, uh, and slag him off or, you know, I'm sure there's conversations gone on in the background about Pierre-Marco form and maybe the need to score more goals, but it's not something he's going to air in public and it's not something that we should expect uh, to hear about in a public press conference. Um, he also talked about the Tierney and Tavares thing. He talked about, you know, why it was important that Nuno Tavares stayed in the side for Newcastle United. And and the reason I I kind of really liked this this particular passage from the press conference was because it was really kind of in line with what I had said in the lead up to the game. And I'm not saying that me and Michael Arteta are like, you know, twins or anything like that, or we got any kind of telepathic connection. But I thought that the right thing to do was to reward Nuno Tavares for the positive performances he'd put in prior to Liverpool, rather than hang him out to dry because of what he did at Liverpool. And because of the mistake he made at Liverpool and, and I suspected as those of you who watched the preview show will remember, I I said that I, I think there's a good chance that Nuno Tavares stays in the side because of those reasons. I feel like he won't want to kind of kill the lad's confidence at this point in his career, when he's really starting to make an impact and really improving and really proving himself a valuable member of the squad. And Mikel explained that decision, um, and and this is what he had to say. He said it was a tricky one, a tricky decision after what happened at Anfield and some individual errors that we had. But we have to be very careful with the messages that we send to our players. I encourage my players to play with courage, to take risks, to make decisions and be on the front foot. So when they do that, if for any reason things don't go our way or somebody makes a mistake, that's when you have to show your trust in the player because you want to build confidence and resilience. It's not only for the player that's playing, it's also for the player that's not playing to understand that part of that decision is to support. And in their case, if it happens to them, I would do exactly the same thing. It's something that we have to build and with young players even more, because if not, they can get very confused. I have full confidence in him. So Mikel Arteta just reiterating and confirming that the reason he left Nuno Tavares in the side to play Newcastle United was because he wanted to show support for the guy. He wanted to show him or that he has confidence in him. And I think what Mikel Arteta has said there is so spot on. I think people have criticised him time and time again since he took the job at the club for his man management skills. And I think that there, in a nutshell, tells you that his man management skills are just bloody fine. And if people are committed and people have the right attitude, they will succeed under him. They will perform under him. They will get given opportunities under him. And there's no reason for us to sit here week in, week out, questioning his man management, because that for me was not, you know, it doesn't change my opinion. I I, I always had that opinion of Mikel Arteta, that those who are on board now do really have, kind of a respect for him and they've really bought into the project. But what this does is it it tells the naysayers that, you know, actually there is a method to it. Actually, when Mikel needs to, he can manage players as individuals and as human beings quite effectively. And this will be referred to as an example the next time someone tells me that he doesn't have a clue what he's doing with regards to mal-management. Because I think this was brilliant management. I think it paid off because Nuno was excellent against Newcastle, my man of the match, as I said on the post-match show. And now, you know, even if he is to be left out of the team, you know, you can now sell it to him as, you know, Nuno, I'm leaving you out because I feel like here Tierney is tactically the better fit. And it's not Nuno, you're not playing because you made a mistake at Anfield and now you've lost your place. It's, it's really important that you sell these decisions in the right way, as well as making the right decisions. And I think Mikel, um, certainly did that in in the way he he, he put this across to Tierney and to Tavares. Um, just moving on, he, he also talked a little bit about the January window. Um, he was asked, you know, what, what the kind of plans were. He said, look, we're in discussions. We have talks every week about it. How could we potentially improve the team? What could possibly happen in January? And what could affect our squad? He said, as you know, we have certain players with a little bit of uncertainty in the summer, so we have to plan what's going to happen now and what's going to happen in the summer. A lot has to be done, we know, and we don't expect big things to be happening, but we need to be very alert in the market to see if we can improve the team. We have to be prepared because things can happen and injuries can arise in this period of the season and you have to be prepared and planned. So although he's not, um, you know, although he's not expecting or, or not at least publicly saying that he expects there to be major business. He's not ruling out any business. He is emphasising the point that the summer uh, business and, and what could potentially happen in the summer is going to play a part in their thinking during this upcoming window. And I think he's absolutely right to make the point that during this period of the season, you are more likely due to the the kind of nature of the fixture schedule to pick up injuries. And you're going to need to be able to fill and plug holes and and deal with things. Um, you know, so I I think Arsenal will do some business in January. I don't know how big they'll go on it. I, I still, you know, yesterday we were talking about the striker position, for example. And one of the things I said was, I think that we'll probably see a big money striker come in, although I'd expect that to happen in the summer rather than in January. But if the opportunity was to present itself, I think reading between the lines in Mikel Arteta's comments here, you can be sure that Arsenal would be ready to pounce if they thought it was the right thing. And that's encouraging because I think with transfer markets, you've always got to be A, proactive in the way that you go after players that you feel are right, but you also have to be ready to be reactive when it needs to be or when you need to be. And what I mean by reactive is not, Thomas Partey gets an injury for one week. Let's go and spend 50, 60 million pounds on another central midfielder who, once Thomas Partey returns, is just going to sit on the bench. I mean, that if a series of transfers happen across the European market that potentially allows you to dip in somewhere and take somebody who wouldn't normally or otherwise be available that you feel would be a good addition then you need to be ready to do that. And that's why Mikel Arteta says you need to be alert. You need to be on the ball. You need to be aware of what's going on in the market around you. And you need to be ready to take advantage of those situations if and when they present themselves. So encouraging encourage you to know that discussions are already ongoing. Arsenal are not going to be winging it in the January transfer market. It was clear in the summer for me that they had a very good and specific plan about who it was they wanted to bring in they identified a criteria and then they acted by bringing in players that fit that criteria and i think it's really important that when you're trying to build an identity in a squad that that identity is um is well mapped out so that you're less likely to kind of shoot wide of the mark when you are trying to bring players in so i think for me what i've i've really enjoyed about arteta and edu's last transfer window was it was clear that they they wanted players from certain positions, but it was also very clear that they were looking for a certain type of player with regards to age profile, attributes, some of them being homegrown, et cetera, et cetera. They had a budget. Um, you know, th- there were so many things that you can clearly see were were pre-planned in terms of, of the criteria. And that makes me feel more confident in the job that they're doing and more confident that given time, they will get it right. And this football club will hopefully... Get back to where it belongs, and that's uh, right at the top of English football. We are going to leave it there. Um, we are going to be back very, very soon uh, with another episode a little bit later on. Um, we'll be dropping uh, my preview uh, in terms of my lineup and my thoughts uh, going into the game against Manchester United. So I'll be sharing with you the team I would like uh, to see. Mikel Arteta pick. We'll be discussing some of the positions that are clearly up for grabs, left back being one of them. What do we do if Bukayo Saka is missing? We'll also be discussing that. And I'll share with you my prediction and thoughts on how the game might go. So keep your eyes peeled. Make sure your notifications are turned on for that. That will be dropping within the next 12 hours or so at some point. I might drop it this evening. If I get around to dropping it this evening, I will. Um, that's Wednesday evening at a time of recording. If I don't, then it will be with you in the morning um, because I am on a commentary. Uh, if you are interested in tuning into some live commentary, uh, I'm not across the Premier League tonight. Although everybody will be watching the Premier League, or the majority of you will be, I'll be watching Hibernian versus Rangers in the Scottish Premiership with Giovanni Van Bronco's side looking to exact revenge on Hibernian who dumped them out of the Scottish League Cup just a couple of weeks ago. So I'll be doing that. You can catch it on the li- on the Flash Score app if you'd like to. And uh, as always, I always appreciate you guys' support uh, across the board and love uh, when you provide me feedback, good or bad as well. So yeah, check it out. I'll be back very, very soon with more. It's time for me now to go mull over my team for the trip to Old Trafford. Take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast.